Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I'm your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern day alchemist, and a transformational coach for entrepreneurs, businesses, leaders, and for those who want to break the cycle of convention and redefine success one step at a time. I am on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week we have thought leaders, change instigators and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life and your business. This week, as always, we have another amazing guest for you, Penny Locasso, voted one of the most influential female entrepreneurs in Australia. Penny is the world's first happiness hacker on a mission to teach 10 million humans by 2025 how to intentionally adapt in order to future-proof happiness. Penny is her own ongoing experiment in hacking happiness. Six years ago, she turned her life upside down in pursuit of happiness. She left a 16-year career as an executive, relocated a family from Perth back to Melbourne, left an 18-year relationship and started her own purpose-driven company, Hacking Happy. Through her journey, Penny discovered that happiness is found not in the wanting of more, but in the things we are avoiding. She now works with individuals and organizations around the globe, helping them define happiness on their terms and building the confidence to experiment to bring more of it into their everyday Today, Penny is an international keynote speaker, educational innovator, and the author of Hacking Happiness. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. So today, I'm excited. We have one of our own in Melbourne. We have the lovely Penny Lacasso. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thanks so much for having me, Catherine. Thank you for coming on the show. And the way that we love to start the show is we always love to ask our woman of inspiration is to share her unique story. So Penny, tell us, what inspired you to do what you do today? Oh, that's a great question because everyone does have a unique story. Um, I spent 16 years uh, as an executive working in Shell. And uh, at the age of 39, I basically realized that my life was in what I would call misalignment. So I had basically ticked all the boxes that I would t- was told would make me successful and uh, found myself at the age of 39 sitting there going, well, hang on a second, I've done everything I was told would make me happy. And I'm sitting here feeling unfulfilled. And it felt like a very first world problem because I had everything you could ever want at the age of 39. And so I did something really crazy. And uh, I realized that the things that actually brought me joy and made me happy were 
uh, human connection, positively impacting the lives of others, uh, sharing experiences and being present and in a moment. And all of those things kept being sidelined by my success, so to speak. So within a seven-month period, I turned my whole life upside down in pursuit of happiness. So I left the 16-year career as an executive at the top of my game, as a female with high potential. That's what they used to call us, which I always love because uh, I've never met a female with no potential. I uh, relocated my family from Perth back to Melbourne. I left an 18-year relationship and started my own purpose-driven company with the sole intent of helping others hack their happiness. That's kind of where it all began. (laughs) I love it. And that will lead me into uh, your book, of course, The uh, Hacking Happiness, How to Intentionally Adapt and Shape the Future You Want. Maybe uh, talk us through the book because I've got it in front of me right now and I love the way that it's laid out. So maybe uh, share some of the things out of the book. Oh, Thank you. It's really lovely um, when people actually enjoy um, something you've invested a lot of time and passion into. So um, tell you about the book. Well, it's funny, the book was a long time coming and I was a bit exhausted by people saying to me, where's the book? Where's the book? Every time I spoke and I thought, well, that's a sign. So I wrote that book um, in three months and uh, basically finished it the weekend before we went into our first lockdown, which is a bit of an irony in itself. The book was written because I'm, I think there's enough inspiration in the world. We don't need more inspiration. I think what people really want is how do I actually make the change that I long to make? Help me with the how and help me do it in a way that reduces the overwhelm because often change can feel so massive, especially when it's um, resetting our foundations, which so many of us are doing at the moment in the context of what I now term COVID life. So I created the book as basically a compass. So a compass for people to be able to work out what their hacking happiness journey looks like. And how they want to cultivate a practice, a practice of happiness. What does your practice of happiness look like? And so the book was really a tool book to help you work out what happiness looks like for you and how you bring more of it into the everyday in a way that was changing bite-sized pieces so you didn't feel overwhelmed and very simple and tactical. That's kind of what the book's about. I love it. And as uh, for our listeners, you can't see the book, so I highly recommend go out and grab the book. It's um, it's a bit of a working book, really, when you think about it. It's not, it's not one that you would just sit there and read from page to page. I think I would sit there with my journal and actually work through the book and work through the exercises. That is definitely how it is intended. It is more, like I say, it's a navigation system. So it's intended for you to read Um, take action, reflect, and then move to the next stage. Because as I said, I I firmly believe that that happiness is not an end goal. It's not something that you attain when you have X or when you get to Y. Happiness is a state of being. It's a practice. And this book is all about getting you comfortable with discomfort. It's about getting you comfortable with experimentation and trying new things. It's getting you comfortable with looking at the world through a different lens so you can actually see potential and possibility that you didn't even know that you had. That's Mm. kind of what it's about. I I love it. And even some of the, like the first chapter, why success is a shit 
sandwich. So talk us through that. <laughs> well, it links back to where we started. You know, the story, as I said, I think that we are, we are sold a definition of success, yeah? We are sold, it's like, you know, follow a certain path, get to a certain point. You'll have all of these nice things like the beautiful house with the white picket fence and a couple of lovely cars in the driveway and, you know, nice furnishings in your home and you might have a designer handbag if that's what you desire. But what I've realised is that that definition of success for so many people doesn't actually bring joy. It often has an inverse relationship to them being happy. When we spend all of our time thinking that happiness is found in external things. And so what I challenge in that chapter is basically saying, don't sit there like I did for 39 years living your life by someone else's definition of success. Be smarter than what I was and sit there and ask yourself right now, what does success slash happiness look like for me? Not in the next five years, just in the next six months. Mm. So put it down on paper and I'll guarantee you it's different to what you've been sold. I love that. Absolutely love that. I actually wrote something about <clears throat> happiness, uh, finding happiness from within just uh, not that long ago because I do think that what we tend to do is seek external of ourselves to find happiness when really um, it, it comes from within. We can only find that within ourselves. Absolutely. We ha- I, I mean, you spoke about journaling. I'd love to hear a little bit about your practice of journaling because I – I honestly believe we have all the answers that we are seeking in life within ourselves and, you know, practices like journaling, one, scientifically proven, but they are a beautiful way to help us find those those answers and equally experience more joy. Mm, I mean, I love, I mean, journaling, absolutely. I do lots of journaling. I do lots of writing. I think it really helps me. I'm a, a big thinker. My mind does not stop. And so it really helps me, um, break down my thinking so it could be as simple as what are my thoughts what am I feeling what was my language like today so really become more conscious and I think by having this practice a daily practice has really helped me become very intentional with my days rather than being reactive I'm much more proactive because I said okay today this is what I'm going to achieve or today this is what I'm going to focus on so I think that that's that's uh, my experience with journaling and sometimes I just allow it to flow through like freehand and just allow whatever uh, you know wants to come out to come out on paper it, it's so interesting to me because, you know, I've been running, um, you know, workshops in large corporations for years now and some of the biggest companies in the world. And what's astounded me in the last couple of years is how many people don't know how they feel anymore mm. because they're so good at being busy. Yes. And that, that busyness, that noise and that feeling every minute of every day has basically created a real problem where we're, we're not connected with how we feel anymore. I think it's directly linked to the mental health issues that we were seeing pre-COVID and obviously now are amplified because it's very hard to process feelings and move through them when we don't create the space to be still and actually introspective and, and like you do, um, have that that regular practice of saying, well, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling this way? Just because I'm feeling it, it's not necessarily a fact. And how am I going to process this? 
What's the narrative in my head? How would I change that narrative from a negative to a positive so that I can be, as you said, more intentional, so I can be more positive and I can be more constructive? Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think with emotions, I think it's really important for me. I like to label my emotions. Okay, so what what exactly am I feeling? Is it is it you know I'm am I feeling angry? Am I feeling sad? Whatever that may be, because what that does, it actually pulls it out of that deeper part of my mind the unconscious mind and I could be more conscious with that feeling and actually go okay so what's this all about what are you trying to tell me so I really kind of have a bit of an internal dialogue with my emotions when they come up to understand what are they crying out for because when your emotions rise to the surface they rise into the surface for a reason and if we just, you know, repress them and repress them and not allow them to come forward, it's like a pressure cooker. You know, at one point, uh, you might just, you know, not explode, but you know what I mean? It might just, you know, you won't be able to control it. Absolutely. And it's really, I mean, it's so interesting to me because, I mean, you know, I, I find I find the term happiness interesting because it polarizes people. But the way I define happiness is intentional because it really speaks to us processing all feelings. So I define happiness as being able to ride the wave of every emotion that life throws at you, knowing that you can come out the other side a little better than what you were before because you have the skills, the support and the resources to make that happen. Mm. Now, I think, you know, it is true happiness is experiencing the good and the bad because life will throw crap stuff at us. We can't change that. You know, um, but our ability to navigate those things is what enables us to shine brighter, so to speak. And I think, you know, with feelings and negative feelings, more often than not, they are so important because they are alerting us to things that truly matter to us. So rather than resist them and fight them, the biggest opportunity we have is to lean in and observe them and say, why why is this making me feel this way? What is it telling me about what I care about? And I think that's really important. Like it's it's okay to have your bad days. I always say like it's okay to have your bad day. And then just I give myself a bit of a time frame. Sometimes it depends. Like I think okay, <laughs> it's all right. Give it give it twenty four hours or or forty eight hours, Catherine. If you still feel this way, well, let's have a look. You know, there's maybe something underlying that, something deeper than that. Um, but it's okay. You know, it's not. I think it's, it takes a lot more time and energy and brain power to try to be happy and up all the time because it's exhausting. Uh, but and I'm not it's not saying, realistic. No, no. And you don't want to walk around with your, your – your, well, I, I like to sort of uh, deal with it in my own. I mean, everyone deals with it in their own way. Some people like to collaborate. Others like to go in there. I call it my man cave and deal with it mm-hmm. on my own. But, you know, I think it's, it, it's okay to, to not be happy at times as well. Without a doubt. And and it's so interesting what you just said because you're the only other person I've heard say it and I do exactly the same thing. I definitely allow myself to feel the bad stuff and especially grief and, um, and those sorts of things. Like there is a process and sometimes those things take a while to get through. But I'm like you. I'm, I'm a big believer in putting a time limit on it and saying, you know what, I'm going to allow myself to fully sit in the experience of this feeling and what it's throwing up and observe that. But I'm only going to allow myself to do it for a certain period of time, which sounds really rigid. 
But it's really interesting how it enables me to, and I don't, I'm interested as to whether it does the same for you, how it enables me to move through things at a pace that works for me. Oh, absolutely. Like I think that if, if you don't put a time frame on it, and I, I know it could carry on for days and weeks because you dwell on it or it's like you're digging a hole for yourself. So I found by putting a timeline on it allowed me to let it go, knowing I've got 24 hours to so just if I want to cry, if I want to throw something, yeah. if I want it, not that I throw anything, but or, or go for a walk <laughs> or, or go for a run, whatever it is, it's, it's just, you know, do what you need to do. If Feel it to its fullest expression and then Absolutely. so you're releasing it and by the time if i've said okay i've got 24 hours a lot of the times i'm 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 done with it within 4 hours because i've like, i've allowed myself to express it i haven't pushed it down correct and there's something mentally in giving yourself a time limit that allows you to let it go yes um but yeah no completely agree and i, I love that you said that <laughs> no there's, there's another um, uh, thing that stood out for me, Penny, in your book, and I love the way you said, screw the plan, embrace the uncertainty, because that's another thing that I'm big on. There is no such thing as certainty. Um, so talk us through that. Yeah, oh gosh, this is, it's such a favourite topic of mine, because as I said, I spent 16 years as an executive in an oil and gas company, and, and so much of what we are taught in the professional world, for any of your listeners in that space, is that, you know, it's always, you couldn't do anything without a plan, and often, you know, I was managing large-scale change projects across, you know, the organisation, so every time I, before I even acted, often I'd have 500 line items on a plan, and I had to prove that I was either managing or mitigating risk yeah that's what it's all about in corporations it's how are you managing or mitigating risk to maintain a brand yeah mm. and so that was what I was you know I was always led to believe don't act unless you've got a plan yeah because there's what don't they say to to not plan is to plan to fail or something like that yes which don't get me wrong I think in some circumstances that has huge merit but in the realm of hacking happiness it doesn't make any sense. So when I started, I sat there and was basically paralysed because I was like, well, how the hell am I going to move? What am I actually going to do when I have no idea where I'm going to go? I had no idea of what business I was going to create. How do I – and it all just felt so overwhelming because I was resetting the whole foundations of my life. And I thought I could sit here – and work out a million ways to plan for this. And it would probably take me six months. And the reality is that plan, there is, the reality is there is no perfect plan in the realm of hacking happiness because there could be a thousand right paths for you mm. that you don't even know exist. And the thing is, because it often feels so big and overwhelming, this change, if you sit there and plan for it, often that is a paralyzer to actually taking action. So what I talk about when I say screw the plan, embrace the uncertainty, in order to unlock the door to possibility and potential, you don't even know you have, and I'll guarantee you, you've got loads more potential than what you ever imagined, you need to basically just take one step forward in a, in a direction that feels right at this moment because you can't take a wrong path. The action that you take will breed the clarity. And you need to think of every step on your hacking happiness journey as a stepping stone to where you're meant to be. It, I'll guarantee you that the path will not be what you thought it would be, but it doesn't matter. 
because every stepping stone will be a learning experience and it will propel you forward. And like I say, if you had have said to me six years ago that I'd be sitting here now in the situation that I'm in, that my job is that I get to help people lead happier lives, you know, I'm able to publish a, a book, I've just sold the, the TV rights to the book and we're creating a documentary, like I would have said you were nuts. Absolutely crazy, but this is what happen, happens when you let go of the plan, when you create the space for spontaneity and for small steps forward in a way that feels right now. You will be astounded at what you can unlock. Wow, I love that. And congratulations too to turn this into a documentary. How exciting is that? Uh, yeah, I'm. <laughs> that's been a gift of COVID. I have to say that was a, that completely came out of left field. It was a complete chance meeting, and the people I'm involved with are some of the top documentary makers in Australia. So I'm absolutely flattered that they feel that this book is so timely and so mm. important in the context of you know trying all of us trying to navigate the the reality of the uncertainty that we're in. That's right. That's right. And I. On that, I think I was having a conversation with another guest on the show about uh, the 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 whole COVID at the moment, and and it's almost like it's it's almost like been a calling for all of us because for you know we've been doing this show for what, almost four years that the, a lot of the conversations were around how busy we are and you know <laughs> we we we're, we're, you know like busy is the new stupid and some of the conversations we were having was what's underlying all of that what's the what are you so busy about that you are avoiding dealing with and i love that in your book you've got busy codes which yeah. are really cool because some of those I went, well, this is exactly some of the stuff that we could all relate with when, you, you know, not, not, not saying that we are busy right now, or not, although I think there's a lot of us that are. Um, I, yeah, agree. I think they're still busy. It's just a different format. Yes. Yeah. So talk us through the busy codes. <laughs> Yeah, you know, what's what I love about the busy codes and what I love about what's in the book is I don't make any of this stuff up. It's through lived experience, but it's also through working with thousands around the world in this space. I mean, they give me the answers and that's how the busy codes were formed. So we started running or I started running a program um, in corporations about oh, probably about 18 months ago and I called it the busy equals bullshit program. And what happened was I, I kind of realised or I saw this busy epidemic and corporations said, can you come in? We've got a busy problem. And what happened was people kept telling me, I kept saying, well, what does the word busy actually mean? Because I actually don't think it contains any useful information. When you say you're busy, I want you to tell me exactly what's going on in your mind. And by doing that, that's how the busy codes were arrived at. And it was it was. It was magical, you know. So I things like busy is code for anxiety. Yeah, we have never ever um, experienced an, an anxiety epidemic, and that was pre-COVID. And we know now that it's just completely and utterly amplified. We are more anxious than we've ever been. It is uh, a huge money maker for a number of of uh, you know businesses. We have um, busy is code for loneliness. So we've never, again, another epidemic, we've never been lonelier. Um, we are hugely technologically connected but humanly disconnected. And that was the case pre-COVID. 
And now COVID has actually amplified that situation. And look at what's happening now that we realise how human connection impacts our mental state. So we've talked about busy being code for anxiety, for loneliness, for distraction. So busy is code for distraction. So your attention has become a highly valuable commodity, so valuable that companies like Netflix now tout sleep as one of their biggest competitors. Yeah, and I think what's happened is that the fact that we we don't know how to switch off anymore means that our brains are constantly busy. So they're just a couple of examples, and there's a few more in the in the book. But basically, when I read out the busy codes, it's fascinating. People come up to me and they go, I'm sitting there in my mind going, tick, tick, tick. So one of the most valuable lessons that you can, I think, um, uh, create in the space if you are someone who is constantly busy is sit there and ask yourself, what am I really saying when I'm saying I'm busy? Mm. Because busy means nothing. Like, as I say, it's an empty word. You want to know what the feeling is that sits behind it. Yeah, and I have to, even though I've become very conscious of using that word because I, it was, as I said, we were talking on the show a lot about busy is the new stupid, that I can't help myself and I'm trying to find, be really creative and find another word to use instead of busy. So I've created one. (laughs) I would love to. What is your word? So as part of the Busy Eagles Bullshit Challenge, one of the first things we got people to experiment with was for one week we said, we want you to remove the word busy from your vocabulary and we want you to replace it with a positively positive word that describes what you're really doing. Mm-hmm. And I, the word that I use is I use the word positively engaged. That's what I use instead of busy. So I haven't used busy for nearly two years. Now, what's astounding, just by use, removing the word, even if you don't replace it, if you stop using the word busy for a week and you're someone who uses it daily, you will be astounded at how it changes the noise in your head, how it changes the conversations you have and the depth of those conversations. Because when someone asks you how you are, and you say busy, it is a conversation closer, not an opener. But if you say I'm positively engaged, I'll guarantee you someone will turn around and go, what are you doing? What does that even mean? Because they're so used to hearing the default response of I'm busy. And it allows you to connect, as I say, again, if if I say I'm positively engaged and I'm not because I don't allow myself to use the word busy in that context, it allows me to call bullshit. Because if I'm not positively engaged, then I should be asking myself why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's like a self, self-check. Oh, I love it. And it's, it also will change or shift your mindset. I always uh, uh, remember, I try to remember to say I'm currently creating um, as, as a way because I do a lot of writing. So I always say like, I'm currently creating or I need my creating space instead of saying or I'm, I'm in my creating space instead of saying I'm really busy, I can't, I can't talk to you right now or whatever that may be. So I'm trying to be very, very creative with my vocab- vocabulary. So, uh, But I love positively engaged. I'm going to try that um, and uh, see how that fits. So, Penny, uh, along your most amazing, adventurous journey, what has been your greatest lesson learned thus far? Oh, there has been so many lessons. Um, gosh, it's almost like I had to I had to break the mould of who I was um, from both a mindset and a behaviour perspective. 
what's the biggest lesson? On the kind I, of stands I, out for you. Oh, um, fear is your friend. Yeah. Fear is the greatest lever you have for creating the change that you want to see in yourself and in the world around you. Mm. Um, I fear and failure. Yeah, they are the two biggest levers that you have. We we have been conditioned to believe that fear is a negative feeling, and I think fear has been given a really bad rap to the point that that you know when I I mean I run programs on fear and teaching people how to shift their mindset around it, and we you know when I ask people when I say do you fear what comes into your mind nine times out of ten the words are all negative. So the reality is that if all of the words we think of when fear presents a negative, we're actually going to resist fear rather than lean into it. And I have found that the more we lean into fear, the more um, the more the magic happens. Fear is where the opportunity lies. Like, like I said, it is alerting us to something that matters. And the more I lean into that fear and that discomfort, the more, like I say, the more crazy stuff happens, like TV documentaries. Mm, absolutely I mean I think that when I have been feeling scared and that happened many of times um, I I think that by allowing the fear to 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 feel it anyway right but still move forward and taking those little steps I feel that as you keep moving into it and dancing with fear it it becomes more of you know um, uh, a way forward i i look at it as a way forward because once i've done whatever that thing i was scared uh, about i find that you know oh that wasn't that bad and so it gives me more courage to try out more things so i think you know for me and i know for other people uh working in say you know corporations or we're talking about high performing teams uh, that's what they do when they become complacent they fight the very thing that is going to scare them or scare the pants off them because that is how or is what you were saying about feeling comfortable with being uncomfortable is how they grow so they see failure as the way to grow and move forward without a doubt and I I talk a lot about happiness being found at the intersection of what you're longing for and what you're avoiding and fear is obviously sits within avoidance you know um, and one of the greatest lessons I've learned in like everyone says get comfortable with discomfort and that's great but what does that mean and how do I actually do that one of the greatest practices that I've employed and taught others to use that is hugely powerful in shifting your mindset around fear is a practice called micro bravery and basically it's as simple as doing one small thing every day that scares you a little bit Mm. and it only has to be relative to you so it could be for some people talking to a stranger that could make them feel uncomfortable and if that's what your act of micro-bravery is, fantastic. But just, again, it's a practice. Lean into it every day in some small way. And I'll guarantee you, like you just said, the more you practice micro-bravery, small things that make you scared and lean into them, the more courage and confidence that you will build to lean into bigger fears over time. And it will just normalise fear. You'll go, oh, I've gotten to the point where fear has become a green light. It's basically, I sit there and go, oh, my gosh. I should definitely, you know, move into this because it's alerting me to something that's really important. I love the micro bravery and I think that's how you build your bravery muscle or your brain yeah. muscle is to actually step into it. And I think that when we do feel scared, whatever that may be, I always go, oh, this is something I need to do. 
That's uh, every time I feel scared about anything, I'm like, no, this is what I must do. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a bit of noise coming through there. That's all right. I'm just uh, getting rid of it. <laughs> okay. So um, the other thing I, I would uh, love to talk about is about, about pain points. We believe that everyone has pain points. What would be a pain point of yours, Penny, um, whether it's business or personal, and how do you work through your solution? Pain points? I... Look, I think it's probably self-doubt, you know, a bit of imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. How did I, you know, my pain point is, uh, and it's it's something I've gotten much better with and I don't let it stop me, but it's really interesting how, I mean, self-doubt never goes away, I, I don't think. I think we all kind of sit there and at some point in our lives feel a bit like an imposter, like we've, bitten off more than we can chew or sitting there going, how the hell did I end up here? What did they see? You know, like, um, so I would say it's it's self-doubt. And I think the way that I work through it is um, probably like I was saying before, it, it links back to fear. Like I allow myself to feel it. I acknowledge that it's completely normal, but I also put a time limit on it and just say, you know what, um, just because I feel it, it doesn't mean it's real. And if other people are sitting there saying, I believe in you, then I should believe in myself. That's kind of, yeah, how I would navigate self-doubt. Mm-hmm. I've kind of accepted it. I've just accepted it as as completely normal Yeah, and in I a think good we, way. Yeah, I think when you normalise it, it's not uh, a bad thing, right? I think sometimes we, we it's like you were saying before, you know, like fear's got a bad bad rap or you know self-doubt or self-worth where really most of us I would say 99.99% of us actually experience it it's how do we work with it and I think that if you accept it as part of the norm it's so much easier to work with absolutely and I think also self-doubt often comes off the back of learning something new or you know doing something that you haven't done before and I remind myself of a quote that I absolutely love which is you know every expert was once a beginner Mm, I love that so if you don't begin you you you'll never be good at these that these at these opportunities so that's kind of something that that sticks in my mind and I I say that to myself very often (laughs) Mm, I love that Penny love it so the other thing that we do is we start to wrap up the show. We always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you, Penny? Intentional. Mm, I like that. I like that Intentional. a lot. Yeah. It's at, the, it's, it's at the absolute core of everything that I now do. Yeah, intentional. Yeah. Love it. Thank you. And then the last question we love to ask is what are three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today? So that could be like three practical exercises for our audience. Oh, I love that. Okay. So the first one would be the one we mentioned earlier. If you are a busy person, try not using busy for a week and just observe what happens. The second one I would give you is the practice of micro-bravery. Do something small every day that scares you to build your resilience. And the third one I want to give you, which and all of these are in the book, 
is what is called rejection therapy. And again, it links back to resilience. And I feel like resilience is more important than it has ever been. So there's a practice in the book which is called 100 No's. And it's for people out there who hate receiving a no and they allow, allow no to be a barrier between what they want and taking action. And so 100 No's is a beautiful little process that, again, has changed, fundamentally changed my life. And what you do is you write 100 No's on a piece of paper and your goal is to get out there and get those 100 No's. You want to get people telling you no. So go out and ask for all the things you've ever wanted yeah, with the sole intent of getting a no. So for anyone who loves to tick things off, which is most women, <laughs> we love a checklist, you basically every time you get a no, it's a win because it's moving you closer to your goal. But the kicker with this practice is I'll guarantee you you probably won't get to the 100 because every no you get moves you closer to a bigger yes. And I'll guarantee you the yeses are things that you never imagined possible because you can't get yeses in life unless you get no's it is a numbers game and rejection therapy is one of the most powerful tools you have available to one building your resilience but two to realizing the things that you truly want in your life I love that and I think I'm a list person too but I think because when you said women I think it's because we multitask and we have so many things going through our brain in the in in the space of like a couple of seconds that if I don't yeah. write things down I forget absolutely absolutely mm. but that that practice is a game changer and like I said the template is in the book you can write it on a piece of paper rejection therapy is a real thing <laughs> it is it is yeah. I love it absolutely love it so Penny where is the best place for our listeners to find you just simply go to hackinghappy.co and you'll find everything um, about the work that we do and the fun uh, activities that we run, some free and some not, but uh, there's loads of information there. Great. We'll have that in the show notes. Penny, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing your wealth of wisdom. To the listeners, highly recommend go and check out Hacking Happiness. It's a great book. And uh, once again, take care and um, yeah, keep safe. Thanks so much for your time, Catherine. Thank you. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit the subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplanner.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Until next week, wishing you a fabulous day.